From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 IFM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guests today are two very special young men, Josh Jackson and Ross Novitz. Um, they are both grade 11 pupils, and I have great admiration for them both. Um, for their, and I value their opinions, which is one of the reasons that I really wanted them on my program. And our topic today is the pros and cons of growing up in the digital age. If any of you would like to SMS us, please do so on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 062-148-2374. Now, both of them have got their, well, one's got their arms crossed and the other's <laughs> <laughs> looking a little bit anxious. Relax, guys. It's wonderful having you here. Thank, Thank you for having us. us. Now that you're sitting behind the mic, how does it feel? Yeah, I'm still a bit nervous, but we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it'll be a good show. Yeah, thank you for having us. Honestly, privileged and excited to be yeah, here. It's so amazing thank you. to be here. Thank you for having us. I'm so pleased you're here. You know, um, I know that you both are studying very hard for the end of the year exams. Plus, you've got many other um, um, things that you've got to be doing, uh, commitments, and, of course, all the Jewish uh, holidays that we've <laughs> had, which have really taken up a lot of time lately but they have been great just want to tell people who are going to be listening in that joshua is my grandson and um, my oldest grandson and uh, ross is my adopted grandson (laughs) (laughs) he is my neighbor and and very good friend of of josh's and has been in my life as well for a long time i've watched him grow and what I wanted to actually just start by saying that a few weeks ago I was out with some friends, which is what gave me the idea for this show. And when I was out with my friends, we were chatting, having a very meaningful conversation. And at a table near us were four teenagers. Each one, they had ordered salads to share. And each one was talking on their cell phone. So the only thing that they appeared to be sharing was the salads. (laughs) There didn't seem to be any connection between the two. Now, Josh, let me start with you. And then, Ross, you can just butt in whenever you want. Okay, cool. Does this happen often? So, nowadays, when we do go out for supper, a lot of the time, when you, like, look around the restaurant, you do see a lot of um, young students, like, from either school or varsity students, and they're always on their phones and... I think it's an actual problem because the relationships become like so impersonal and the fact that like you have your phone out on the table just shows like the other people that you're not interested in what they have to say or just in their lives because you're so fixated on your phone and about what's happening in other people's lives on social media. So I think it's a huge problem nowadays. I'm I'm obviously generalizing a lot of young kids um, in today's time don't do that like I know personally when we go out for supper, um, uh, we either leave our phones at home or we just leave them in our pockets and we have like proper conversations. But every now and again, we take our phones out, check Snapchat, check Instagram, check Facebook, start talking about like the latest things happening. So um, it definitely happens to the, ma- the majority of us. And I think it's definitely a big problem. 
And and Ross, do when people are doing that at the table, do they sometimes actually SMS somebody else at the table? Like for instance, <laughs> uh, in cyberbullying, one of the things that I did see was that yeah. sometimes people would be sitting at a table, and someone will quickly send a message saying, "Yeah." Look what she looks like tonight, or look what he's doing, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, no, definitely when we are, say, sitting, um, as Josh said, we try and, like our best not to because when we are in an environment, like at our school, where they do educate us and they do, like, push for us not to be constantly on our cell phones, to, like, actually enjoy the world around us, to converse with one another. But, I mean, what we, what I have seen is that people will be sitting, like, say, say, like, a big group of people out for supper for somebody's birthday or, or whatever it may be. And they'll be sitting there and somebody will want to like crack a joke or something happened at the table that was funny. So instead of like, you know, calling across the table or, you know, like face to face interaction, what they'll do is they'll just, you know, pop a WhatsApp. Um, and you're right. It does definitely cause cyberbullying, uh, because, because it's so, um, sub- subjective and it's so limited to who's actually viewing the message. Um, it definitely creates, like, you see people lean over, like, what are you messaging? What are you messaging? Mm. Um, what did you have to say? Is it about me? Um, and it definitely creates, like, a stress at the table. Um, I think by having even just your phone on the table, uh, I mean, we listened to a great talk by Simon Sinek, um, and he stresses that you sh- your phone should not be at the table. When he goes out for a supper with friends or whatever it may be, he passes his phone to the friend next to him. And the reason he does this is so he can actually, like, be... He can be in the moment. He can actually have a involved he, in the conversation. Yeah, and the face engaged. to face. Yeah. yeah. So and because he says that even if you aren't on your phone, um, just your friends are on your phone. Uh, what will happen is you immediately become stressed either what they're looking at, or what will happen is that uh, you become distracted with what's just basically what's around you. Absolutely. I'll tell you when we go back about a friend of mine who uh, who's. Uh, cell phone I actually deliberately put in my bag <laughs> and she's listening in. We're breaking, breaking for an ad break. I'm constantly looking for ways in which we can break out of the straitjacket that we've put ourselves in. We're all in these non-intersecting rooms and we're not making shovels together and we've got to break through that somehow. And this little medium that we're using right now the web, YouTube. This is a medium that breaks right through all the boundaries. So I know that when we put a little piece of music called Osei Shalom on the, on YouTube, um, from rather right-wing ultra-orthodox to reform and to atheist people saw it and loved it and somehow or another <laughs> You know, we managed to create an experience that everyone could link into in his or her own way. It's all a bit like the Haggadah on Pesach at the Seder table. We all tell the same story, but we're all different. We all give a different interpretation to it. So I do see that every time we create a problem for ourselves, the Almighty creates a solution. And right now, he sent us the Internet. He sent his YouTube. I mean, Judaism began with a revolution in information technology. Did you know that? We were the first people to use the alphabet. The world's first alphabet, discovered by a British anthropologist called Flinders Petrie in 1903 in the Sinai Desert, is called Proto-Semitic. And it is the world's first alphabet. 
when you reduce all those signs, cuneiform in Mesopotamia, hieroglyphics in Egypt, of which there are hundreds, and most people would never learn them. But when you reduced all of that to 22 signs, that's an alphabet, then everyone can link in. And so the invention of the alphabet made possible the book, which made possible the people of the book. So if Judaism was born in a revolution in information technology, I tend to look at every information technology breakthrough as a sign from heaven telling us, communicate more widely and forget about all those walls that separate Jew from Jew because you are connecting with me through the modem called Judaism and one way or another it's very broadband indeed. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Ross Novitz and Josh Jackson. And our topic is the pros and cons of growing up in the digital age. And you have just heard Lord Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs talking about the Internet and Judaism. And he is pretty pro it there, as you could Mm. hear. But other YouTubes of his also says how it's stopping us connecting. But when we ended just before, I was going to tell you about a friend of mine who, when we go out, she is constantly on her phone because people, she has a lot of people needing, making demands on her. So I actually take her phone and put it in my handbag. And <laughs> she's not allowed it until we leave. And and I can really, she's listening in, and I can hear that, I can see the anxiety in her body language. She's kind of watching my phone to see if it's vibrating or whatever. But what did you think about what uh, Rabbi Sachs had to say? Who would like to tell So, me? yeah, I think uh, what Rabbi Sachs had to say is basically any innovation um, that's going to benefit like us, uh, is worthwhile investing in and partaking in. Um, but once again, I think it just falls down to balance. You have to find the balance of um, facial interaction and your interaction with your phone, uh, with the technological world around you. Um, so, yeah, I just think it falls down to that balance that, um, I mean, us, like we keep Shabbos. For us, Shabbos is the most amazing thing. It's that day. You and Josh both keep Shabbos. Yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, you turn your phones off in the evening. Yeah, 100%. The first thing that I tell somebody who like, wants to keep Shabbos is say, turn off your phone. If you can't say you need to drive to Shul or you can't, um, I don't know, what, make it to Shul, whatever it may be, um, turn off your phone. That's, the, that's what I believe is the starting point because then you're completely disconnected. It's unbelievable. Now, just tell me when I know for myself, when I turn off my phone, it's such a huge relief. It really is. And you know, yeah. you know that you've got 24 hours not to have it on. Other people have said to me that there's such anxiety with that that they actually don't feel the relief. Have you come across that at all, Josh? Um, so because I've been keeping Chubbers for quite a long time, I take it as my time of the week to just get away from all technology. And I think, like Ross said, Take like switching off our phone for Shabbos is the best part of our week because, firstly, it takes away all the stress. We don't have to. We don't have fear of, fear of missing out on like anything that's happening with like our fellow 
um, friends or peers from school. And it's just a time to like really interact with family members and like really grow our friendships. Like a lot of, um, my friends live close in the area, like Ross, like Ariel Raz, and we go to shul together. We develop and grow our relationships with all our majuchim at shul. And it's just a time to relax and regain our thoughts and think of like what we would like to improve from, from our past week and how we just it's just very relaxing and uh, it's just an amazing time of my week it's i think shabbos is the best time of my week you know thinking about that i was just looking at the two of you and thinking even when you come back to our house walk <laughs> back to our house the shared laughter and the shared yeah. stories and things is is very special and if we were all on our cell phones we would miss that time we really yeah, would 100%. and i don't think people realize it um, Ross, you were saying about addiction to uh, the digital era and um, what Simon Sinek said about that. So, yeah, so basically um, the reason it's an addiction is because the same way that when you say have a – when you drink alcohol, partake in like recreational drugs or whatever it may be, dopamine is released in the brain. So when you say gain a bunch of new followers, when you get a, a lot of likes, whatever it may be – um, dopamine is released in the brain um, So therefore the more often that it happens The more we feel better about ourselves And the more, the better we feel um, The more addicted we become Yeah, so therefore mm. it just becomes it, it, it really is an addiction I mean people <coughs> Excuse me um, need, need their phone uh, To either be in their pocket To be in their hand uh, Like even now, nowadays if, you, if you're waiting for Like say your business meeting um, people will be on their phones waiting for their business meeting instead of speaking to the person next to them who they're about to go into the meeting with. That's so true. Yeah. So, so you're missing that uh, interaction, yeah. aren't you? I must just tell you a story about when the cell phones first came out. It was actually very amusing because it was very cool to have a cell phone. Not everyone had cell phones then. So you used to see these cool dudes, like businessmen, walking down the streets, Rosebank and what have you, with their phones mm. at their ears. And there were stories that used to go around, and I'm sure they weren't just urban legend, of, of one particular person who was pretty well known in the community on talking a business mm. conversation on the phone, really making a deal when all of a sudden his phone rang. And he was really caught out there. I mean, you can imagine, you know. And needless to say, Josh, your uncle Mark tried that on a friend of his. (laughs) I can just imagine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, Josh, you were mentioning the mountain climb. Yes. Also, where did you hear that from? So, uh, before we like came on Chai FM today, Ross and I searched a lot of Simon Sinek's videos because he speaks about the luck, like, the millennial time. And he gave an analogy that when uh, um, people, um, millennials in our days want instant gratification. And he gave an analogy that let's say there's a mountain and the summit is what every like millennial wants straight away. But he's at the the base of the mountain and he forgets about the journey that he still has to take to in order to reach that summit. So millennials want that instant gratification. They always feel entitled. They feel like because from a young age they were told by their parents they could have whatever they want, they start to think that when um, you're in the business world and everything, it's going to be the same how it is in school. If you want something, you're going to get it. But they forget about that 
the the hardships and all the struggles that you have to take in order to reach the summit. It's not just about looking there or um, looking at the summit and saying, no, I'm just going to get it straight away. Uh, it's about taking the journey, um, overcoming obstacles and like getting through those hardships in order to reach the summit. It's where you learn the we'll, most. We'll, and we'll go on about what you actually learn along the way. We just yeah, have to break for an advert. Are you thinking of buying a new car in October? Hatfield Motor Group is rocking this October by giving one lucky customer 100,000 rand when buying a new car from any of our dealerships. Get to Hatfield Audi in Ravonia and Hatfield or Hatfield VW in Pretoria, Bromfontein, Bryanston, Ravonia and Northcliffe this October and you could win 100,000 rand. AudiShowroom.co.za, VWShowroom.co.za and HatfieldGroup.co.za. Rated number one in service. Terms and conditions apply. The best part of your day. At the heart of your community. All the talk. All the music. All the news. Hi, FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Josh Jackson and Ross Novitz, and we, our topic is growing, the pros and cons of growing up in the digital age. And Josh is telling us about the mountain journey. One of the things that... Um, uh, that, that I did read about the millennials is that the millennials are the loneliest generation because mm. of their digital fixation. Um, but I also just want to say that if anyone has a message to send through, please send it on SMS 34519 or WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. What, what do you feel that you learn on the journey up this mountain? That you would lose out on if you didn't actually take that journey. Um, so I don't know. It depends on like at which point of your life you are at. So like somebody who says in the business world, I just think of you know King. If I'm not mistaken, it's King Solomon. He says four down seven times, get up eight. Mm. So you learn the most when you fail, and you wouldn't learn if you didn't fail. Um, so, so from a school point of view, a pupil point. Of okay, view. so I guess the way that we see it is, say like you make a mistake in a test. Um, you say mess up a project. I can guarantee you that if you get your 30%, 40%, like at like that point in the week, there's nothing worse and it's the only thing on your mind and it almost consumes you to such an extent that the next time you aren't going to make that same mistake again. Yeah. Um, but what so wha- that boulder, you will not have to trip 100%. over again. But yeah. What, yeah, sorry, just one thing that like I'm thinking about now is we actually turn to like technology um to like avoid that feeling of like you know uh despair or whatever it may be from where we are we use it like it really does distract you and once again i think that's where it falls down to an addiction we look to technology to distract us from the hardships that we're going through from to distract us from whatever it may be that's happening in the world around us the same way an alcoholic or whatever may and true feelings it's it actually isolates you often from true feelings yeah. doesn't it it's a and, barrier and most of the time people like create a, like a self like a a false image of themselves like when you're on snapchat or on facebook everyone that's looking at your photos thinks you have the most amazing life because that's the only things you share and you share in those moments where you in, you enjoying life the most but they don't they think you have the most amazing life now but they don't know about all the hardships that you're going through maybe you're having troubles at home maybe you're having troubles at school they only see um, from one perspective and that's like your life is amazing and they think to themselves wow this person has such an amazing life i want to be exactly like them instead of focusing on how they can improve their lives and make the most out of their lives because they 
a lot of people either get jealous or are envious of other people's lives from viewing their profiles on either Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat because they um they're seeing only the best quality of their lives. Mm-hmm. They're seeing when they're on holiday, they're seeing when they um achieve something great, but they don't see the the actual the mountain, the mountain. The, and the journey that, and the journey that they've mm. gone through to either achieve those things and the hardships that they've gone through like a lot of people that um had like really hard like hardships when they were at like at a young age they you find that they grow the most and they learn from those hardships and then they achieve great things later on but without those hardships they would have never been able to achieve those great things because they've learned and developed so many skills from from overcoming those obstacles and uh, that's really important because you in order to overcome the obstacles firstly you need a journey in order to have obstacles because everyone in their life encounters different obstacles and challenges and in order for us to achieve greatness we have to be able to like Ross said with King Solomon even if you get um, hit down um, seven knocked down seven times you must always get back up the eighth because mm-hmm. you can't just give up you can't just give up on uh, your life journey you should know what you want and no matter how many times you fail you should want to um, get back up and carry on push forward and achieve and if you do that you'll find that you achieve greatness um, uh, sooner than you actually think Absolutely. Do you agree with that, Ross? Yeah, what most would you definitely. Like to add? Um, so I think I'd just like to say, like, just going back to my point that I made before, um, it really is technology becomes a distraction. So if you are going to fall down seven times and get up that eighth, um, you need to know how you want to go about that. Um, and the world we live in, we're so engrossed in like the technological. I mean, even like taking these up like advertisements, they're all over, and they're completely distracting. Um, so. When, when you, when you have a goal, you have an aspiration that you want to aspire to achieve, um, you have to, you want to go about it in the best way possible. And the problem with technology in today's time is that it really does act as a distraction. Um, I know that say I have, a, I have exams coming up, for example, uh, the biggest thing that stop, that makes me procrastinate and the biggest thing that distracts me is my cell phone. I can't study with my cell phone on the same desk as my books. It's impossible. Absolutely. Because as soon as my phone buzzes or I get a message or whatever it may be, I'm no longer looking at my book. I'm looking at the message and then there's temptation to pick it up. It's almost compulsive. 100%. Yeah. Very compulsive. And you know, they talk about addic- addiction to technology, to all the smartphones, the iPads, everything, all of the others. And one of the ways to actually overcome the addiction is what they call digital diet. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like counting calories that you, you count the amount of hours or time that you allow yourself Spend on the phone. It. So you, you, that's, you begin to limit it bit by bit each time so that it's not an immediate withdrawal because that's too hard. 100%. But, um, you know, it's, it's a slow withdrawal. But on the other hand, other people, that's how they do connect, and yet it's a very mm. lonely way of connecting, and one of the primary human needs is to be recognized and is to connect and 100%. connect properly, human mm. to human. And, you know, I um, I was reading an article about um, an Australian businessman, a managing director of a, of a big company, and he asked his his employees how often they actually stood up instead of just sending a, a text or an email to their colleague who's in the same uh, open plan office how often they actually got up from their desk walked over and made connection with 
the person sitting a few desks yeah. away. And it was never. So he started what was called a chat room. That they were not allowed, they had to put their phones <laughs> like in a outside, yes, yeah. and go in and actually start to communicate human to human. Yeah. Would that be difficult for most people, do you think? So, yeah, so I think for most people it would be very difficult. But one thing Simon Sinek also said that like real life interactions is how you develop real connections. Like he said, when he's speaking to a friend, when you ask them like personal things, like let's say they're their father or mother is in hospital, God forbid, and they ask them, how's your father doing? Is he okay? That's how you develop real um, connections and real relationships with people opposed to just sending them a message because like we said, sending a message, it's so impersonal, so superficial, and you can't really see how a person reacts to a message. Some people might like... Um, when you send a message, they might um, get like the wrong impression that misinterpreted. you like, misinterpreted and then get confused about what you're saying. And then like there's the whole balagang and like everything. But um, I think the way in order to develop real connections and develop those skills and how to interact with people, you really need to um, put your phone away and make an effort to go up to people because that's how you learn. That's how you gain confidence. That's how you learn how to um speak in front of a lot of people and uh, I think that's the best way we need to start putting down our phones putting them away spending less time on technology and actually interacting in uh, with everyone around us and making those really like those proper connections and proper relationships so I agree with you there Josh what about Ross uh, Facebook versus face to face Facebook versus face to face um, so I think Josh brought it up earlier and he says that when you're on Facebook, you're only seeing the best. You're seeing, um, only what people want to show of themselves. You aren't seeing like, the, like who they actually are. You're just seeing this false facade of, mm. um, the best moments in their life, the, the, as Josh said, the greatest achievements. But when you're speaking face to face, you definitely have a more intermediate connection. Um, and it's a connection that's real. It's not, um, you know, just the screen in front of you. Like, like for example, if I can send whatever I want in a message, I don't have any fear. I'd, like, you know what I mean? And especially because the tone isn't really interpreted when you send a message. Um, as well as if I update my Facebook post, I'm like not scared as to what I'm going to say because it's not face to face. There's no actual action reaction of what's going on. Um, so but as Josh said, uh, when you speak face to face, that's when you learn how to cope in a in the real world environment. It's where you learn to establish real connections and relationships. Um, and the problem uh, with our generation and the millennials is that we are so distracted. We, um, for whatever reason, we just seem to not want that. Uh, like real life connection that real face to face interaction we'd rather just send messages um, and I really do think it's a pity um, and I, what I wanted to say uh, earlier is that like you said with the business uh, in the business environment where they take away the phone so that they have a chat room I can guarantee you as much as we don't like our teachers say confiscating our phone in the middle of class or whatever it may be like we'll be upset say for five minutes but once we're actually interested in the lesson and we're partaking in the lesson um that's when we're going to learn the most because we don't have that distraction. We don't have our phone to turn to. There's nothing else more important but the lesson. And it's the same at a restaurant when you're face to face and you're having a conversation with somebody. Only when you don't have anything, yeah, you, know, you don't have anything to distract. You don't have um, anybody, anything else to worry about. There's there's no external stress. It's just you and the person, and 
That's where, and that's where you really connect with people. And your relationships. And that's growing. where you also pick up cues. Exactly. How yes. would, what sort of cues would you say you pick up by talking to someone face to face? Um, just based on their body language and their facial expression, that's where you pick up the most. Mm-hmm. You don't get that when you send a WhatsApp with it. I mean, like you have emojis, but like you're limited. You're very limited and it's not the same. You can say something sarcastic. The worst is when somebody says something sarcastic on a WhatsApp group or in a message and somebody else like interprets it completely wrong. And they'll, they'll be like, you're being serious. Yeah, because no, you can't no. pick up on that sarcasm. So you look like the biggest like yeah. clock <laughs> because because <laughs> you don't understand what they're saying. Then everyone starts laughing at you on the group, you know. Absolutely. I, I saw this quote, the biggest communication problem we do, we, we have is, uh, we do not listen to understand. We listen to reply. To reply. 100%. 100%. And that is so true. You know, we jump in. So you, you might get a, a message and, and immediately you reply. You don't really even give yourself time to really take it in and think about it yeah. before replying. Whereas if you're talking to someone and you say something and you can see a bit of shock on their face and you think, well, did it, what I said was, was that really mm-hmm. what they're interpreting and you can check it out with them at least, exactly. you know, yeah. and you can see pain or joy on their faces or in their eyes. And uh, I believe that's one of the things that is mm. really being missed today. And I think that's where cyberbullying comes in. Yeah. Have you noticed the rise in cyberbullying? Most definitely. Especially yeah. in the school environment. And between luck like, in um, all the schools, in all the schools, not yeah. Yeah, every school. I mean, our school makes there's huge efforts made in educating um, the students on cyberbullying, educating on them the responsibility that you have when you have uh, the ability to use technology, um, as well as just there's a huge push um, just to use technology responsibly mm. and to use it in the way it was intended. I mean, nobody nobody wanted for cyberbullying to occur. Nobody wanted technology to be used in a bad way. Um, it's yeah. just up to the user. So most definitely there's a rise in it. But uh, like I was saying to Josh, the younger kids at the moment, they're being brought up in this world. So they are being educated on how to use their devices responsibly. For example, they like get drilled into their heads before you send a message think mm. don't just send think twice reread it whatever it may be who's drilling that message in um so it's quite funny i was, I was we we're having a discussion uh, in class uh with my history teacher and what she was saying is that we actually the unfortunate generation because we stuck in between we know what it was like when there wasn't necessarily too much technology and we also know what it's like to have all the technology but she says her children, because uh, she's a she's a young woman, um, her children uh, are being brought up in this world, so they are constantly surrounded by it, constantly active on it. Um, so, funnily enough, in their classrooms, like even your grade naught, grade one, grade two, grade three, they're already being taught, already being educated on how to use it responsibly. And that yeah. is so important. Josh and Ross are both um, in. Uh, in the student leadership of King David Linksfield, and I f- feel that your school is very lucky to have you both as role Thank models, you. quite Thank you honestly. So as role models, what do you feel that you can tell people about bullying? How can you yourselves, your, 
No, that 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 was bad English. How can the two of you actually become the best role models, Josh? So the best way is to set a positive example. When other people see you walking around school, being kind to people, greeting people, just the mere fact uh, if you just smile at them, it can ch- it make such a huge difference in their life. And if we set that positive example and like because a lot of the younger grades they they look up to us they want to be to us because we we are role models to them and because we are older we have that older factor and because you're in the exactly we are seen as role models to them and then when they see us set in a positive example and just being ourselves being genuine being kind to people then they pick up on that because they don't they they want to be like some, they want to be like you. And if when they see you doing positive and good things and being kind to people, they're going to want to start to be kind to people. And I think nowadays, especially in our school environment, um, younger grades are becoming like good mates with older grades. Like mm-hmm. I've got a, quite good friends in grade 10, grade 9, grade 8. Not just like an old, like it's a proper relationship. We've got a proper friendship. We go out with them and, Maybe so it's like, meaningful. It's meaningful. Like 10 years ago, you would never, it was unheard of. Like older grades wouldn't associate themselves with younger grades. But nowadays people are and people, because we become, I think we've become more accepting and we've realized that just because we're older doesn't mean we have to like put on an act and be like brasses to the younger grades just because we're older. We have to set a positive example. We have to be kind to them and we have to be those positive role models. And if we positive role models, then they'll Grow up in the school environment feeling more accepted firstly, less bullying will, will occur and it's been noticed like although there's still quite a lot of bullying and we still have a lot of bullying talks within our school which is a very positive thing, I think it's reduced um, a fortune even though um, technolo- technology has progressed so much. But um, I think the mere fact that we set in positive examples and we we um, form in like close relationships with the younger grades, not just like the cool crowds, but like everyone. That's we great. everyone we smile at we we smile. Sorry if I'm <laughs> I'm like a got that King David accent. Smile, <laughs> smile at someone, or <laughs> or just um, say hello to them or greet them or be like, yeah, come chill with us for a bit. Even when you see them like at Melrose Arch and you say hello to. Them it makes a huge difference to their Absolutely. lives and it, and it gives confidence to them. Be like, geez, an older person said hello to me. It's an amazing thing, and we have you, like and you nodding your head, Ross. Exactly. Yeah, you? I honestly couldn't agree more. Um, I'm just going to throw in a Mahatma Gandhi, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi, <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi. There we go. There we go. Um, so basically, just be the change you want to see in the world, um, I and so. I think. Become the change. Become Absolutely. so. Um, but I think what like the reason we're succeeding in. Uh, say breaking this grade barrier is because we're bringing ourselves down like to everyone's level there's no like better worse there's no uh, hierarchy uh, in the school at the moment or we're trying for there not to be Um, and I think that's what's making the biggest difference and do you think that's also a need of you guys all of you your grade and the upper grades and the lower grades to connect Definitely. Because there is this disconnect because of of smartphones and iPads and, and technology, because um, it brings you, a unity within our school, and you do then connect. So, you what would you say you would use ma- a, a technology for positively, mostly, Ross? Um, we'll put it this way: we did our research on YouTube. 
Um, so the, it's basically what you're choosing to expose yourself to. On Facebook, if you're liking, say, uh, the TED page, you know, where it shows all the TED mm-hmm. talks. Um, if you're liking... The Israel um, Project page. Yeah, the Israel Project. Um, if you're liking... Pers- yeah, Jay inspirational uh, quotes or whatever it may be. As long as you have that coming up in your feed um, and you that's what you're choosing to expose yourself to, that's when technology can be pos- uh, like positive when uh, you're learning something every day. I mean... Like it's quite funny. I don't read as much as many books as I'd like to, um, but I do read a lot of internet articles. Um, so what I've tried to do is I've tried to like take away all the like meme pages, all the like pages which I really don't need on my feed, and replace them with um, just something that's actually going to enlighten me and enlighten my day. Fantastic. We are breaking, and then we've got another uh, YouTube about dopamine. Also, has greatly changed our lives. In many ways, it's more practical. We can talk to almost anybody from almost anywhere. But there's also ways that the cell phones impacted lives that you may not be aware of. You see, our brain has a natural chemical response to the cell phone. It's a release of a chemical in the brain called dopamine. Now, I'd always heard that dopamine was the chemical that makes you feel good, but that's not actually the case. Dopamine is the chemical that's responsible for our seeking. So we look for something and we find it and we get a dopamine release and we look for something else, and we get another dopamine release. This is what's known as, again, the dopamine loop. This is the same thing that occurs when you get on the Internet and you're doing a search, say, for a recipe for dinner. And you find yourself, an hour later, light years away from where you started, now you're reading about designer breed dogs, (laughs) and dinner still isn't ready. The cell phone has greatly impacted our lives, and... In some ways, we become dependent again. Here's my story. I had the original cell phone that came with my plan. It wasn't fancy, no text, no camera. But it was practical, and I kept it in my purse, and I used it when it was necessary. Then came the iPhone. Now I had camera, Internet, email, and a whole host of phone applications on a, all on one handheld unit. And I found myself really developing a dependence on this phone. I would carry it with me from room to room in the house, even taking it in the backyard when I went to garden. But my dependence worsened when I got into a relationship with a texture. I found myself on an emotional roller coaster. (laughs) I so looked forward to the texts I would get from him, and when I got them, I'd be elated and excited. But when they didn't come in, I found myself really low. So this intrigued me, and I started looking at how other people use their cell phone. Families on cell phone, parents talking on the phone instead of to their kids, kids on the cell phone. I'd go into restaurants and whole tables, everybody on the cell phone. So I decided to do some research. It turns out that everything about this technology is designed to rope us in, from the alert that it emits to the amount of text you can see on the screen. And we buy into it because we've become information seekers. Even the text on a news media, audios, visuals, and text scrolling across the screen, and we go for it. The most common use of cell phones is occurring in college students. They're receiving about 100 texts a day and checking for their texts an additional 60 times a day. Now, their compulsive addiction isn't to the cell phone. It's to the dopamine they get every time they get a message. 
Think how you feel when you check your messages and you don't have any versus when you do. Elated, valued, kind of important. The cell phones also change the way we think and we communicate with people. We'd rather communicate in snippets of text rather than wade through a voicemail or an email message. And our focus and our attention span is shorter. We flit from topic to topic and idea to idea, hardly ever finishing anything. And even in the Google age, with all this information provided to us, we're willing to take the first response supplied rather than really verify it. Here's another thing. How do you feel when you drive away and you realize you've left your cell phone behind? (laughs) Do you turn around to go back for it no matter how late you are to wherever you're going? Well, as it turns out, there's been a reported increase in anxiety of this kind, and there's a medical condition associated with it. Nomophobia. (laughs) No, really. No mobile phone phobia. And it's the condition that arises from the anxiety that we feel when we don't have our cell phone or when you don't have communications. So I'd like to offer you a challenge today. For the next two weeks, put your cell phone out of your physical location for an hour a day. For one hour a day, be without the cell phone. Focus on something else, your surroundings, the people around you, or just gaze into these beautiful New Mexico skies. One hour a day, dopamine-free. Hello, Mom. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Ross Novitz and Josh Jackson, and we are talking about growing up in the digital age. Uh, you can SMS us on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 062-148-2374. Ross, that's exactly what you were talking about with the dopamine, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then you mentioned about going to sleep, something that Simon Sinek had said on, on one of his TED Talks. So, yeah, Josh mentioned it um, before we actually came on air. Um, and what he said is that we should be charging our phones um in the living room, we shouldn't be charging them next to our beds. Um, and the reason for this being is, say you're a married couple, if you're checking your fo- if you're checking your phone uh, before you greet your spouse in the morning, you're addicted and there's a problem. Um, and those are Simon's words, not mine. Um, and it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, the first thing I do is I check my phone in the morning. I check the messages I got. Um, and I mean, I've already like after listening to this talk, moved my charging cable to my desk across my bed. So I can't do this. Um, and then there's always the argument that, and he brings us in, he says, but I use my phone for an alarm clock. She says, buy an alarm clock. You don't need your phone. Uh, so true. He says, I'll even buy you an alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. It really is. Because I must admit, even after Shabbos, you are inclined, well, I am inclined to turn it when I do turn it on. And I actually did a test on myself a few weeks ago. Um, because normally straight after Shabbos, I, I check it just to see if they're messages. Same, yeah. And yeah, and, yeah. but you're a lot younger than I am. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like I'm getting all that many messages, but I, I deliberately left it off until the next day. But I must admit the next day I got into trouble from the whole family because they'd been trying <laughs> to contact me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my phone was off. Now, you cyberbullying. There was also a quote that I read was a bumper sticker, and I thought that would be a good thing to put on everyone's screen. It said, "Don't be mean behind the screen." 
And it was, uh, I want to ask you, how do you think that parents can monitor children's usage of their devices? So I think the same way that parents should have a relationship with their children, it should be an open and honest one. Um, they should be constantly discussing with their children as to what they are doing on their phones, what uh, the messages they're receiving, the people they're receiving to, uh, receiving to and from, um, sorry, sending to, receiving from, um, as well as they should trust their parents with their phones. I mean, like I know, like my young, my younger brother has a phobia of me picking up his phone and, like, say, reading his chats with his friends or whatever. Absolute phobia. It's his worst. Like he, he honestly starts like shouting at me, getting very irritated. And do you deliberately do it? Yeah, uh, because like there should be a more open relationship between us. Um, and even more so with my dad. Like. Not that he, uh, like, you know what I mean? Not that there's anything seriously wrong or that anything's happening that shouldn't be happening on his phone, but he just is embarrassed as to what's on his phone. But it really shouldn't be that way. What I send on a message, I should be able to say to you face to face. That's the way it should be. Um, so when it comes down to parenting and, uh, how they can, you know, uh, watch over their kids, what's the best thing to do? I just say, don't, don't keep a passcode. Don't keep a lock code. Parents should be able to freely go through the phone. Um, because whatever you're doing on your phone, you should like want your parents to see you doing. Yeah. So they should be able to be seeing what media topics their children 100%. are going into. Definitely. And uh, apparently, a lot of teenage teenagers, especially, don't tell their their parents about cyberbullying if they're being bullied, yeah. because they're terrified that the parents will then take the phone away. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing, like, you just have a trust with your parents, like, if there is something that you don't want, a conversation so that you don't want your uh, parents looking at, tell them, say, okay, here's my phone, please don't go on WhatsApp, there is a conversation that I'm currently getting through with somebody, so just don't, I don't, it's it's not fair on them, it's not fair on me, whatever it might be, Uh, just please don't look at this, but here's my phone, go through it. Because you have to have that trust with your parents, if anyone. And also, I think another thing that people should try to do is when, let's say, you're having supper with your family, Keep your phone in your room and actually sit and actually speak to your parents because that's one where you develop those connections and where you can actually speak about like the stuff that's happening in your life and ask for advice because your parents are the people that you can always go to for advice and teach you the most. Uh, also, whether you're at family functions, just leave your phone in your pocket, interact with your family members when you're at a party, have fun, go dance, leave your phone in your pocket or leave it in your bag because... That's an ideal world, Josh. We've just got to wait <laughs> for just an advert. <laughs> A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Josh Jackson and Ross Novitz. And we have been talking about growing up in the digital age. And we've covered a couple of subjects. There's a lot more to cover. And I'm watching the time and it's going so quickly. You know, there was, the Socrates said, sometimes you put walls up not to keep people out, but to see who cares enough to break them down. Mm. And Josh, you were saying going out, you know, being able to actually socialize and, mm. and talk to your family at dinner and yeah. if you're going out with friends, just in, in dating, would you prefer to date online or dating face to face? Definitely face to face. Both of you both, say that. I both agree with that. Why? What, what is it about face to face that you find is better? Um, I think face-to-face is when you, like I said, develop those personal connections with them. Like if you're messaging over WhatsApp, via WhatsApp, 
it's so superficial so so superficial your relationship with them and it's not real and you want when you have a girlfriend you want it to be real you want to be able to speak to them about proper stuff and you want to be able to listen to them and listen to what they have to say and be there for them and in order to do that you have to have those personal inter like those um those interactions with them like in real life and I think that's the best way to date because then you you actually have someone that's always there to talk to and you just have like a real a real connection, connection. with them opposed to just something over WhatsApp that that's so superficial. Do you agree with that, Ross? Most definitely. Um and the reason being is because like I mean I've experienced it firsthand where um I'd like try to make the effort, say with a girl, you know, in person, whatever it may be. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, why aren't you messaging me? Why aren't you messaging me? I'm speaking to you in person. That should be good enough. And for me, that's the most important thing, to be completely honest. Because as Josh said, it creates a genuine relationship. Yeah. Um, and like, honest, really. Completely. More honest. I mean, like, I'd rather have a, a friendship and a relationship with somebody face to face instead of with this, my screen, my cell phone screen. Um, and like you said, like, you get to see the body language, you get to see the facial expression. It's just genuine. It is genuine, yeah. very definitely. So what would be your idea, Ross, of an ideal world? Uh, an ideal world? Um, I think it's balance. I think we need balance. Uh, to use our uh, cell phones and our uh, technology in the when when in the time's right. Yeah, in moderation when, and in the right time. It's all about timing and just keeping a balance. When you have the opportunity to have face-to-face conversations, take them and try try your best to actually make time to have face-to-face conversations um, because the truth is, is we are very engrossed and consumed in our technological world that we lived in um, so just make that little bit more of an extra effort uh, just to uh, spend time with the people around you go out with friends without your phones if you at the if you had a restaurant with your friends keep your phone in your pocket uh, maybe do, i mean like simon's extreme simon cynic he says pass your phone to the friend next to you leave your phone completely uh, so just in an ideal world, I think balance, um, and spending time and make, sorry, making time. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Well, I would like to thank both of you so much for making this time to come on today. There's a lot that we can still talk about. If you would like to come back sometime, would you both like yeah, to come back? Yeah, I would back? definitely like yeah, to come definitely. back. Great. And all I Anytime. can say is good luck for your exams. Thank and you so much for having us. Your school and your friends. And your families are incredibly lucky to have you sharing your lives with us. Really appreciate it. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're going to be listening to a song to end with Bruno Mars, Count on Me.